Non, c'est ce que je disais. Vous le voyez, c'est bâti, c'est de la blague. Après tout, tout est beau. Il n'y a qu'à s'intéresser aux chevaux et les trouver belles. The time has come. Catherine Bigelow! This and some of the other nice things that have happened to me in the last couple of days may turn me into some sort of hopeful optimist and ruin my whole life. Spoil? <laughs> Did he spoil me? No. I remember quite clearly it was 1946 and I was four years old. My mother took me to see King Vidor's Duel in the Sun. You gotta say, I'm a human being! God damn it! My life has been! Babo, Alejandro Gonzalez Iñarritu. I'm a man! Well? Nobody's perfect. <laughs> Al film italiano Deserto Rosso di Michelangelo. It's just that all men are sure it never happened to them, and most women at one time or another have done it, so you need the map. Three artists in the presentation of the Palm d'Or. Adele, Leia, and Abdel, 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 Which is not over. We must continue. Oh. Oh, I did not know that. It's been a long time. It feels like years. Yeah, no, it does feel like years. We'll get back to the swing of things. Yeah, I mean, we, we don't really have an excuse now. We have to stay in, and we might as well podcast. You know, I'm going to do like two a week now. Uh, so that's oh right, right. I forgot the uh, the UK is now on uh, lockdown. This was, yeah, uh, sorry. Yeah, we are. Pretty uh, much everyone in Europe except Sweden. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, actually, in California, we have what's called a stay in uh, not stay in place, a stay at home policy. So um, most of Theaters, uh, parks, bar clubs, nightlife, all that has been shut down. Uh, essential, uh, not essential uh, jobs have been shut down, save uh, banks, grocery stores, pharmacies. Uh. Well, um, I said, I'd love to do a coronavirus podcast. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have a lot of time today, but I just wanted to kind of make an appearance. I thought we could... Sure. Jonathan's got some ideas about doing, um, you know, bad movies that we love, you know, or films that we kind of love to hate or are so yeah. bad that they're actually quite good. And also, like, underrated uh, underrated films that perhaps we like and, and, and are not, don't do very well. I think the two two good topics are kind of similar, which we might not do today, but I think it's, it's definitely a podcast I would like to do. Right. Um, Doug might join us shortly. Um, he has said he will join us. I've added him to the call. So, oh, cool. yeah. Um, yeah. So I suppose what we could talk about is briefly just ch- sort of check in with the circumstances that we have now, and we're with Doug. We're all kind of four different countries. Um, so I mean, what? What's, so, I mean, Suzanne, so what, what have you been doing, like, theatres-wise? And uh, I know you, you were at festival, I believe. Well, um, well I guess of all of, out of, of all of us, I was the first one yeah. in a country that shut down. We started shutting down around the 10th of March. Oh, and then full-on five days later, yeah, in Austria. And, yeah, what I've been doing. Well, I mean, I watched some... Press con screening still that one week when we shut down, but 
course, none of them ended up in any writing because obviously all everything got postponed. Yeah. So pretty much I've been home now and I've been kind of keeping afloat with some Disney Plus and Amazon reviews, but you know, it's not as busy as a movie release schedule and everybody's like narrowing down and with all the festivals gone. It's also really hard, like, even though some of them go online now, it's still hard to pitch sometimes because not everybody's really keen on spending money on coverage because they don't really have money and incomes either right now. So, yeah, so film business from writing-wise, it's been a bit tough right now because, yeah, and also with Netflix, I asked for screeners. It's, yeah, we don't have them. We have to see. It's... It's a bit it's a bit of a tough situation right now and it's given that you don't know how long this will last. Like officially we're in lockdown until mid April, but that's not gonna happen because it's probably gonna peak in April, so probably not before June. We'll see. I hope there's a lot of the on demand content. Uh, Doug Doug's just joined us, so he's here. Hello everyone. So we have um, we have America, we have Austria, we have Australia, and we have England. Um, hello, Doug. Nice to hear your voice. Yes, you too. So what we're doing is we're we're doing a coronavirus special, but um, I think <laughs> um, just I wanted to just sort of check in, do a quick podcast about when perhaps some of us are affected by not the, the virus itself, but the the circumstances. And obviously, someone like yourself, Doug, I'll come to Jonathan in a minute, but I know, Doug, you kind of, bread and butter is, is the new releases, you know, without that, you kind of like, well, your sight becomes something else. And I know, Phil, to me, it's, we don't really depend on that as much. We've got, you know, over 100 years of cinema we can cover. But, I mean, Doug, how does this just quickly affect you and your, the jam report? Yeah, I mean, it's, as you said, it's very difficult because that's that's the main focus i mean i've been doing that for quite a few years now and you know i do occasionally some sort of opinion pieces especially award season by this time of year uh especially leading into summer releases and and you know the big blockbusters and everything that's the focus and they're all gone so it is very very difficult but you know that it, it does give you an opportunity as you say to cover you know 100 years of cinema or, or look at doing you know other pieces and, and i'm just trying to get my mindset into that now of you know what else can i be producing to put on there to keep keep the site active and keep it going um have you thought so, of anything yeah. or do you have anything special um, well i i haven't confirmed anything yet um i think a few people would remember a couple of years ago i i did a thing where i watched all the 89 best picture winners over 89 days um because at the time i was unemployed so i may be looking at doing something similar to that i'm just trying to figure out what what i would actually do whether that's you know watching all movies from a franchise or all the movies from a director or from a studio or something like that. Um, so I think that's what I'm, I'm going to be doing because it looks like, you know, th- there's no end in sight to the lack of new releases. So it should be something that, that can go for potentially a few months. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think 
that although there is streaming, there's not going to be a lot of new material. So yeah, I mean, perhaps do the foreign language film. That would be a good one. Mm. Uh, mm. Pam, Pam Darwin is. I don't know. It's up to you. Um, but I certainly look forward to um, whatever it is you do because that that eighty nine one you did was pretty monstrous. You know, <laughs> no, because each piece you wrote was yeah. quite big. So I mean, you you didn't you didn't just summarize. You actually broke down. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how you did it to actually watch and then have to I... analyze it. I kind of lost my mind. I mean, it just it took over my life. But I, I suppose the the good thing now is that there is no life, there is nothing happening, so it, it probably won't be as taxing this time. But um, I mean, you got to we've got to do stuff to keep ourselves busy and keep ourselves sane and and lift our spirits and everything. And you know, as as much as it it is painful not to have new releases and not to have the uh, you know experience of sitting in a cinema, I suppose. We're all lucky in this day and age that you know big big screens and big big speakers and all those sorts of things we can still get a pretty great experience at home so we do have a lot to choose from so at least that's all sitting there waiting ready to go yeah i i've noticed it's kind of been a little bit of a more of an interest in in people contacting you with like screeners i, I know that's happened from to me recently i've got a bit more online digital content which is good and also people approaching me you know like filmmakers I've had a, a girl approach me who had made a short film and said, can, can you, can you, you know, write a review? So I might, I might do more of that. I think I wanted to do that before, but I think there's filmmakers out there perhaps see a, a window now that my film's on digital, you know, nobody's mm. going to watch it. I'm going to get to the cinema anyway because nobody knows who I am. <laughs> and that's something I want to focus on. I'll come to film to me what we have planned shortly, but, I mean, Jonathan, I mean, are, are you having withdrawal symptoms now i know you go to the cinema quite a lot uh, and what's the situation where you are sort of film wise uh film wise uh last film i would end up seeing was uh either emma or bad boys for life actually it's bad boys for life <laughs> um i'm sorry which honestly which was no 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 that wasn't that was actually the best one of the bunch oh, right. which really isn't saying a lot but i got some out of it but uh I did this because I, I knew that cinemas were probably going to be shutting down in California pretty soon, and then probably nationwide because of this. So it's like, okay, might as well, you know, get this last one in because it'll, it'll be the last time I end up in a theater for a while. And it turns out I was right. It was a couple of days later they actually announced, it was Regal first announced that they were going to shut, that they were closing their doors uh, indefinitely. And then Alamo and then AMC and then that's just okay yeah it, you know, all the major theater chains are now uh, uh, now you know close the doors um, as far as withdrawal symptoms it's it's, it's hard because it's, it's, there's just stuff I was looking forward to watching especially going into the summer months but uh, uh, it's I mean it, it, it's it's hard because again uh, for me, I, I was uh, I spent I spent pretty much most of my a lot of a lot of my life in theaters. Uh, my mom took me to the theater when I was little, and it just became this love affair ever since. And there hasn't there hasn't been a weekend where I'm not at the movies or seeing something or yeah. just being in the dark room, especially during the summer months where it's just the most fun. 
because it's just a bunch of people. You're in, you're in a smoke. You're in this compacted place. You're all watching the same thing. You're all excited. There's a there's a buzz in the air about what's going to happen. How's this movie going to look like? And if you're invested in these big temple movies like I am, you know you uh, you just you almost mark it on your calendar. Like okay, opening night. Like you know preview night. Thursday, Thursday, seven o'clock. Get your tickets and you know, enjoy yourself. So, not being not being able to do that until like uh, July, August, the very late, probably at the earliest. So that's that's going to be hard. But again, I have Netflix. I do have uh, Disney Plus. I'm able to watch some stuff. Maybe I, I, I probably I've definitely seen before, and then there's just some stuff in my query that I've been meaning that you know I've been finally getting watch and I'm hopefully get around to like uh like I haven't seen Blue is the Warmest Color yet and that's still on Netflix mm-hmm. which is surprising to me because it's because they don't show too many movies that are NC-17. Uh, Girlhood is another one. Uh, uh, on a time in America. So there's some stuff I need to get. I, I, I'll, I'll be able to um, watch now that I have all this downtime. I think the thing with, with cinema is generally movies are kind of an escape. There can be an escape, but that's the class, the sort of the cliche that we, we embrace. You know, but not just from our lives. Sometimes I just want to get out of the house, go sit in a, th- in a movie theatre and just let it sort of take you we can't do that now and then it's nice to be at home but it's it's there's a i've got a very strong feeling of claustrophobia you know and i'm a bit of a home bed bed anyway but you know not since sort of midsummer i would say that i've been in a theater where it's completely empty uh, and it was like just being in the field at night looking at the stars you know it was absolutely brilliant so i know it's nice having people around but sometimes being in a theater on your own is actually really Yes, really sad. Mm. No, it, it's quite wonderful. I mean, it was a, I think it was a preview screening. I don't think anyone knew about it where I was from, so I was quite lucky. But I was like, this is great. So I was like making notes. I had my feet up. Um, nobody was in my way. It was fantastic. But yeah, I'm gonna miss that. Um, and I've got two kids as well, so I now have to homeschool as well. So, oh wow! Yeah, but I'm enjoying it. But it's and I'm incorporating cinema studies into the curriculum, <laughs> even though they're only four and seven. But uh, that's gonna take a lot of my time. So I'm a bit. It's kind of don't have time to be claustrophobic because there's too much going on. And I have a, also I'm married, so I don't have a wife to kind of <laughs> communicate with at some point during the day, you know. But so you kind of can, can grumble, and and then you kind of think, well, hang on, what this is what I've got gonna be too busy. But, I mean, the site, quickly, what I'm going to do is um, the 1957, I don't think he's gonna, is ever going to end, this series, because it's, it's kind of benefited me that the the pieces are being staggered and people haven't been able to submit straight away for whatever reason. It's kind of helped me sort of stretch it out. I mean, I've not, there's still a couple of pieces I haven't written, which I will do. So I think I'll just not put sort of deadlines on these projects and just keep going with it spread them out if someone wants to write about it then uh, the next one we're going to do is is the cinema of south korea which i'm i'm so excited about you know and i think with the recent best picture winner um i think we've got 
this is sort of a good good segue, but South Korean cinema has been pretty astonishing for about 15 years now, and I think mm-hmm. there's a hell of a lot to, to go on there. Um, filmmakers, uh, endless. So, I mean, that's a good one for cinephiles like us that have seen, perhaps seen all of these films, but people that haven't seen them as well and don't know, like Bong Joon-ho has made other films before, Parasite and, you know, Park Chang-wook <laughs> as well. And, uh, it, it is a really astonishing um, state of cinema at the moment. This is South Korea, so that's coming up. Also, briefly, um, Stanley Kubrick. You know, so this is like heavyweight stuff. You know, when new releases suddenly don't become the main thing, we've we've got to look at Stanley Kubrick and South Korean cinema. You know, I think that'll keep us busy for a couple of months. But Cannes Film Festival. I'm, I know it's been delayed, but I always like to go very international at this time of year. So like J- Jonathan mentioned, Blue is the Warmest Colour there. You know, Palm Door winners, there's such a diverse range of films there. You, uh, just the Cannes film selection generally every year, it's an astonishing r- range of films that you don't get anywhere else in the world. Um, so that's something I want to focus on. So they're, they're the three main things, but obviously the new releases sort of streaming I suppose is going to be a focus as well so yeah the Cooper point interesting okay. because there's um, there's a movie I wanted to talk about uh, uh, Full Metal Jacket which I've seen once yeah. and you know it's it, you know I can uh, I can admire the skill behind it and I, I can admire the acting I can admire the skill behind Kubrick because I've never so I don't I've never seen never seen any director who who is this meticulous about a project about any about about his films period it, it's 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 truly it, it's an admiring quality of Kubrick's but you know what it's that that's movie you know what I will see again to review but after that I kind of don't want to watch it again because it's just too uh, <laughs> It's it, it's such an uh, I hate saying it, it's an ugly film. It reminds me of watching No Country for Old Men in the sense that I'm. It's like it feels like an invitation to, from the abyss. You know, like saying where it's like you stare long at the abyss, the abyss will stare back at you. Kubrick's kind of his career, as you as the tracking shot, has kind of followed him. But generally, his films have. Uh, are not that are not that the same. You know, the, 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 there is some themes there, but his films, the different types of films he's made, he's dipped his toe in in um, in different genres. It's it's quite astonishing how, how someone could do that over over decades as well. So, uh, I, I like the way Jonathan just leaves. I love that. <laughs> He just, he just like has a big speech and then he's like, he just drops the mic and disappears. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah, Jonathan, yeah, thanks for that. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, Doug, are you a fan of South Korean cinema? Is that a stupid question? Right, sorry. Um, yeah, I, I think they've been such an underrated, you know, area of film for such a long time, particularly by, you know, something like the Academy Awards, so... Yeah, but still, I think now clinging to Parasite's victory even more because it's like, hey, remember when that happened? <laughs> the last time we were all happy was, it yeah. feels like forever ago now. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, it was so great to finally, I, I, you know, as much as Parasite's win was about Parasite, it was also, you know, such a win for South Korean film in general. Um, and I think that, uh, like, I, I kind of wrote a, a piece after the Oscars for my own side about that, that hopefully, it, you know, it, it, it encourages people to seek out, uh, you know, f- uh, foreign language cinema in general, but certainly the, the, the cinema of South Korea. Um, and so, I, yeah, I think this is a great, a perfect time to sort of focus on that because I think, you know, a lot of people don't know where to begin or, or which ones they should be watching, which ones they should be seeking out. So I think that this is a, a great time to give people that sort of entry point into South Korean cinema because I think sometimes these things can be so daunting that people just stay away. So if we can kind of guide people into some, some you know, standout South Korean films, I think this is a great a great opportunity to do that. I think they're quite accessible as well. I think a lot of sort of yeah. f- foreign films, perhaps there's a certain country where we just can't get on board with that, you know. But the South mm. Korean cinema, the past sort of 10 years, there's, mm. there's three, maybe four directors that, that we'll focus on that are, have kind of just like, just destroying it. Um, mm. I think you look at that, yeah. even something like The Handmaid, you know. So and those are only big names. There are so much smaller names and movies that are hilarious and touching. So there's a lot there, actually. Mm. Yeah, there's... very, very sort of energetic cinema, uh, and very mm. social, very social cinema as well as, as we saw with *Parasite*. I did, I did that one thousand. Uh, films that you can stream. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know what possessed me to do it. It's ridiculous because it took me, it took me f- like four solid days to kind of wow. curate, curate that. As you can imagine, you, you can't just pick a thousand, you know. Mm. And it was like, but I really enjoyed it. But it just stopped me doing anything else. You know, I didn't eat, didn't sleep. <laughs> it's like, what am I doing? I need to eat now. Um, yeah, I mean, I still have this whole list of Arab movies I'm supposed to watch that was for this critics thingy for Cannes that's yeah. being postponed too. There's just so much to watch, and I kind of just went down the rabbit hole on Disney Plus now. <laughs> so distracting. Just, just real fast, what, what like, what did you have on there that like, oh, you definitely should seek out on uh, streaming sites? Oh God, you want me to recommend? Um... <laughs> about this film a lot recently and I'm now reading the book I know you're supposed to do it the other way but the the game with the dragon tattoo the, the Fincher film which is a film I'm gonna I'm gonna write about and it's gonna be it's gonna be quite a monster piece because I I think it's an absolute marvel of a film um, and it's kind of perfect at the minute the mood I mean it puts me in that sort of Fincher dark gloomy world which kind of suits where we are at the moment but I know a lot of people don't rate that film. I just think it's shot for shot. I'm going to mention the editing, which Doug will know about. It won Best Film Editing Mm. at the Oscars, which was really weird because it wasn't a contender. Um, And the two guys had just won for the social network. 
So it was like, and then they were stunned, if you can watch on YouTube the video when they win, they don't have a speech, they don't know what to say, but it was so well deserved, that film, mm. without getting to the Oscars, it, that film didn't quite fit the mould in the end, but the, it was completely deserved that. Do you guys like this film? Have you seen it? Do you prefer the Swedish film? Uh, yeah, I haven't seen the Swedish film. Uh, I have seen the, I have seen Pinterest version, and it was, you know, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I disappointed that, that David didn't uh, follow through with the other two movies in the, uh, yeah. in, in the uh, story, because uh, they just, I guess they just couldn't get a script off the ground or something like that, and they just decided to do something else, so uh, that was disappointing. Which one exactly now? Either, either I'll be not. I prefer the American one, which is probably you shouldn't. Uh, but the, the, the Swedish <laughs> one, the Swedish one is really good. But it's just something about David Fincher, what he brings to this type of movie. What, what are you? Um, I didn't see the Swedish one so far. I have to admit, but I really liked Fincher. I thought it was really, really well done. Just how, you know, simple, like, not simple, but like, you know, how relaxed, how not over-dramatic and tech it created a lot of suspense just from boring old library research. So I really like that movie a lot. Yeah, I know what you mean. Not a big fan of the new one, whatever that was. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I still have to see the Swedish ones, but I really like the French version, and I'm Actually, kind of sad that they didn't continue. Yeah, especially with Rooney Mara, I thought she was just phenomenal. That she was oh, so yeah. perfect for that role. Um, it was such a shame they didn't. You know, obviously, there's the original three Swedish films that they didn't continue that, and then we got that misguided Claire Foy movie that was, was that last year or the year before. Whenever that yeah, was, I've completely last forgotten. Year was that. Last year, it was. It, yeah, she she was actually pretty good. Um, the film itself was pretty disappointing, but um, yeah, I think that with with fin- Fincher, like it was a perfect match for him. It was that sort of darker material that he tends to do very well, and even even just the opening sequence, those opening credits, I just thought that like just hooked me in completely from the beginning. Um, so yeah, I haven't watched it in quite a while, so there could be something to watch. Now we're all stuck inside. Yeah, I mean, I watched it. I watched it a couple of nights ago, and I was just uh, absolutely. I, I liked it the first time, but I wasn't sure. You know, I, I still haven't done my decade ten yet. I know it's March now. <laughs> uh, I'll, have, I'll have to do. I'll have to do both decades at this rate. And the only thing I didn't like about the Pinter version, and that's like nitpicking now, is the weird accents they did. I didn't think that was necessary, but apart from that, really, really good movie. Yeah. I mean, with the change they did at the end from the book, so, yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean, yeah, why, why insist on shooting in Sweden and then not use Swedish actors or, you know, I, 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 mean, I can see that, I can definitely see that when I'm watching It's it. fine, but, you know, given that they're all supposed to be Swedish, this whole fake Swedish accent, it just, in itself, as a unit, doesn't make sense, it's not necessary. So I I don't like when they do that when it's just a humongous group of supposed Swedish people or whatever language. So that always throws me a bit out of the event. Except I mean I don't know what Swedish is supposed to. I mean I have an idea for a Swedish accent, but you know 
I know that when they do that with German, when they have fake German accents, it's really distracting because you know it's fake. And that, as a viewer, can really take you out of the moment a bit. But, I mean, yeah, that's nitpicking, though. What are you all got? Any, any of you got any plans? I know Doug mentioned your site, but anyone, any plans for how you're going to survive this? Excuse the terrible pun. I'm um, not sure. <laughs> it's very difficult right now. Like, oh, like I've made some money off Disney Plus now. Okay. And like reviews with the whole thing starting here. But now it's about getting creative and maybe finding something on the side that will pay stuff because all the big projects I was working on or developing right now gone. Yeah. Yeah. It's really hard to plan for anything. Everybody's like, yeah. Like few mo- like one or two weeks ago they were talking about June, May, now everybody's talking about September. For a parental perspective, I know the school thing. I think is going to be September now. But I mean, that's that's because we get the we get the summer off anyway. Any, but that's still, it seems like a long, long way away uh, when we have to take this kind of day by day. Um, I don't know. I'm going to do it. To be honest, with kids at home. <laughs> I mean, they're four and seven, so they're they're not horrible children, but it's a strange, strange couple of ages. Um, but I'll incorporate them. I'll maybe get them to write for the site. They can maybe write some reviews, <laughs> you know, get Disney Plus myself and get them to chain up. I know, because I, I know it's not just Disney that's on that on there. You know, there's other stuff as well, so... Um, yeah. I mean, the one downside to Disney Plus is really its age group. Like, a lot of... Some stuff I was looking for is not on there because it's not aimed at kids. Right. For example, I was looking for Down and Out in Beverly Hills. It's like, yeah, you have to get Hulu Plus for that, which will also probably come at one point. So, if you like, like the kitty kitty stuff, then you're good. Yeah. yeah it's um, a shame that they haven't sort of expanded it out to that kind of touchstone pitches era. Like, there is some on there, but, yeah, I think that there's, like, it's a weird mindset that they're looking at it as a real family hub, and yet, you know, Disney and obviously 20th, 20th pictures or whatever they're called now um uh, expands so much further out from that and it's not an in-depth catalog like it could be certainly the the disney branded stuff you know everything is there but their their vault is much deeper than that and they whether whether that's coming whether there's you know the plans to kind of expand it further or yeah they look at other streaming services that they partner with i mean this is the 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 complication these days is it's not just one service it's you have to sign up to five to ten services to kind of get everything and you're spending time hunting across all of them to find what you're wanting to watch so it's but that that, that's the beauty of of a sort of lockdown situation that we're all very lucky that these days you know there's literally thousands of movies at our fingertips where you know had this happened 10 15 years ago it would be what we had on our DVD shelf, and that's it. So, yeah. or on TV. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, even though there are like the reduced uh, internet speed now in Europe for YouTube and um, Netflix, but so far I haven't noticed anything. So it's still going super fast, not pixelated, but yeah, we'll see. But the, yeah, but the list I've I'll go back to my list that. That that was, uh, every single one of those films is on is on Amazon, you know, and I think 
depending on which country you're in, obviously. Mm. But if you have, if you have Amazon Prime, which I know a lot of people do, yeah, about sixty percent of those films you can watch for free. You know, and they're they're good films. Jo- Jonathan, you said you saw Emma. I mean, it, yeah. Did did you, quickly? Did you like that film? very faithful adaptation that's the thing I, I don't it's not i mean it's interesting when, when i was watching it i kind of was I kept comparing it to clueless because I'm like <laughs> yeah. oh you know this, this is how that was reworked into clueless um so i yeah, if you were a fan of jane austen and, and the original novel i think you you will definitely love it but um you know it's a very fluffy sort of comedy that you could just kind of you know, escape into there's nothing it does seek to sort of reinvent the wheel i, I guess it, it it's uh, unfortunate that it comes you know not long after you know greta gerwig really sort of reimagined and reworked little women and then we see an, an adaptation that doesn't do that by i guess by virtue of comparison it's like well we've seen this before i think if you've seen the gwyneth paltrow version from the 90s it's it's very similar to that and then it's basically you know bringing the bringing the book to the screen without really making any changes and that's perfectly fine like it, you know i think there'd be a whole generation of people who who haven't seen that Gwyneth Paltrow version so it will be entirely fresh and new to them mm. I, I quite i quite liked it i really liked it i really liked tanya taylor joy you know she brought a kind of not just the the innocence and the good but she's that that kind of i don't say bitchy but you know that sly, <laughs> that sly side of the character, you know, yeah. one eye on the prize. And I thought the film was really well directed because it was all a film of glances, and I thought that was really important. Mm. You know, looking and, and oh, is, is this when the penny drops? And, and, and there's just some scenes that are just quite brilliant, really. That we've seen it times where a couple dance and realise they love each other, but it's it's done in this film like. Like it hasn't really been done before, and I'm I'm always a big fan of that when you can't sort of spin a cliche and make it a bit fresher, kind of like what Greta Gerwig did, I suppose, with some of with some of the Little Women. We've seen it before. We know the book. We've seen the period, but she still made it kind of fresh. Um, so I like that about it. I I, I think it's certainly one of the better films of of the year so far. Maybe that's not saying a lot. I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, Suzanne, you're, you're, did you see Emma? Yeah, I mean. I saw most of, like, I saw the other two versions, the one, the BBC mini thing with Romola Gara and Johnny Lee Miller and the Cliff Paltrow one. Yeah. So I really like that it took a whole different approach to it. Like, as already mentioned, I think it took more clues from Clueless than previous pre-adaptation because it really played into this whole 
silly, worldish girl who's naive and who has to learn a thing or two about life way. And I, I really like the style, too. I think it had a bit of, to me, it was a bit of a Wes Anderson-style um, Jane Austen movie with all those pastels and the decorations, in a way. So I really enjoyed that it was very different in that regard. And, yeah, actors were great. And what I, what I also noticed, it gave... Um, the Mr. Knightley character much more space, like it followed him around more, it showed his emotions more. Not sure if I like that or not, because it kind of puts it more in an equal place, and um, both of the act- characters, and kind of doesn't really follow so much her obliviousness. Yeah. So I'm not sure how, how I feel about him being becoming so obviously into her straight from the start. It felt like the director had, per- had a massive crush on him. It felt like that. You know, we, we, we watched, him, watched him get just beside his bum. We watched him yeah. fall apart. Yeah, you know, it was... I, I know what you mean, yeah. And just a little bit of trivia. The guy who plays tonight, Johnny Flynn, is actually a musician as well. Um, and he sings the song at the end. I don't know if you know that. Uh, Queen B. He's got a really good voice. He's actually very... Yeah. He's a really good artist, actually. So... And I also noticed that it's almost, you know, age-wise correct. Like, mm-hmm. I think she's like 18-ish or something. Like, and Anya is like early 20s. And Mr. Knightley in the book, I think 36, 37, just like the actor. Mm-hmm. So they really pay attention to that too. Yeah. Even though people were saying he looks so much younger than he should. And he's actually, no, 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 he's the right age, actually. Thank you all for, for joining me anyway on this very quick quick podcast. And I, I really want to do more of these. I think now, Doug, are you, are you like, not at work now? Do you have to work from yeah, home? Or? Yeah, yeah, I'm homebound, so I'm available anytime. And yeah. um, back here, I'm alone. I've got, luckily, I've got my six-month-old puppy to keep me on my Aww. toes. <laughs> at least that's keeping me company. Um Good. But yeah, I think you know it, it. It's great to kind of still connect with people, however we can. And I, I, another thing that you know we're obviously very lucky is that we have Skype and FaceTime and all these things. That even though we're all apart, we can still kind of stay connected. And obviously, Twitter is a great resource for that too. And it's it's been nice to see you know people kind of reaching out and checking in on people and offering support and everything because you know as much as this is a you know a health crisis on a on a, on a virus scale it's also a health crisis on a mental health scale um i think that that's what we're going to see is this sort of stretches on is is what this does to people that particularly for people who you know are quite extroverted or who you know have very social lives this is a very very different situation and that could really start affecting people's mental health so the, the more we can all kind of stay connected and i think the better um so the you know the more opportunities to to connect and podcast and whatever we've got going on over the next few months yeah um that's a nice way right. I, w- I was going to say um icing on the cake but i think you put it bit better than, you know. It's great that we're all homebound, we can do lots of podcasts, <laughs> but I think you said it much better than me. Blow the wind and come the rain, come my love again. All is for my mistress, all is for my maid, it's 
sweetness that I took for sweetness that she gave to me. My queen, 